Our scripture this week is from the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the 20th chapter, and I'll be reading the first 16 verses. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again at noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when it came to the first, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour and you made them equal to us, us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thanks be to God. This is the second installment of our dialogical sermons in our parables for the pandemic. We're taking advantage um, of preaching together in a different mode because we think that the scriptures can come to life, maybe a little bit uh, more interesting with two voices. It's like going from a weekly soloist to a duet. So we'll be preaching like this for the month of June. And also, parables give themselves over to many interpretations. So we thought it would be interesting to hear a different angle from each of us on this text. Now, to refresh your memory, parables were not intended to be straightforward. They're not straightforward lessons from Jesus. In fact, they left his listeners scratching their heads because as soon as they thought that they got it, um, it was turned upside down, and they weren't certain any longer. A parable asks the hearer to labor to understand like the vineyard workers did. So this parable is situated in the middle of a larger portion of material where Jesus is teaching his followers. So again, he tells them, a landowner goes to the marketplace to hire um, workers for his vineyard, and he agrees to pay them what was a denarius. And a denarius was about a day's wage, enough to survive for that day, not a lot. 
We don't know why he needs an increasing number of workers throughout the day, but he goes back to the town square at 9 and noon and 3 and 5. And at 5, he, st he still sees uh, men standing around, and um, he asks them why they're not working, and they said, no one has hired us yet. So he invites them to the vineyard to work. And at the end of the day, the whistle blows, and they all come to get their pay, and, and the landowner has sent the manager there. And he begins, oddly, by paying the last men first. And he pays them the full day's wage, the denarius. And the other, land, the other workers were thinking, cool, we're going to get more from him. Um, but no one um, gets paid more than the first which were the last. And they're furious about this. Um, and they say to him, uh, why did you pay them more than us? That's, there's no equal work here. And, and uh, the landowner retorts, did I do something wrong? Didn't I pay you what I said I would pay you? There was a promise and I fulfilled it. So who are you to question my generosity? And that's, I think, one of the punchlines of this sermon. And uh, as Jesus always said, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah, in our sermon last week uh, on the parable of the sower, um, we talked about how with the pandemic and the racial tension in our country right now, it feels like the soil, the rocky soil in our country is being tilled up. Yeah. Um, and tilling soil is a... Is a messy, unsettling, even violent kind of thing. And what happens too when you till soil is that things come to the surface, uh, maybe things you didn't want to see. And one of the things that we've talked about that has come to the surface during this pandemic has been how much we depend upon people who are stocking grocery sell shelves, mm -hmm. or cleaning offices, or taking away our trash, or caring for the sick, mm -hmm. right? Um, and once most of us, or some of us, I guess some of us, began to shelter at home and work from home, it became really obvious to us that if they did that, mm -hmm. everything shuts down, right? This economy shuts down, this doesn't work unless some folks are willing to put themselves um, at risk. And so we called them, we started calling them essential workers. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this whole set of people that had largely operated outside of our awareness became more visible right. to us. But what also became more visible to us in that, in that is that these essential workers, um, many of them didn't have health care. Right. Uh, many of them didn't have sick leave if they got sick. Uh, and many of them were paid, you know, dismally. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we were asking them to be on the front lines of a fight mm -hmm. with a killer virus. Right. And so maybe it's more honest, we were thinking, that maybe what's really, it, it is that we believe that their jobs, those mm -hmm. jobs are yeah. essential, right. but maybe not uh, the people mm -hmm. doing those jobs. Mm -hmm. Because if we really thought the people were essential, right then would we expect them to show up in a dangerous environment, not give them protective, the, the right. proper gear that they would need all the time, 
not pay them well for it. Mm -hmm. And if they got sick, they would be replaced by someone else and mm -hmm. be left to fend for themselves without good health care. Right. And so it feels like this pandemic is raising some uncomfortable questions about why we value some jobs more than others. Mm -hmm. And then also, perhaps, do we value some people more than others? Right. So we're not trying to get into economic theory here. We're not talking about capitalism or Marxism or socialism. Um, that's not the purpose of scripture, um, nor is it our call as ministers. We're called to teach and to preach the scriptures and to allow the text to open up our hearts and our minds to new ways of thinking, um, to an economy of good news. The word translated economy in Greek is oikonomia. And oikonomia means household management. And in the Bible, economy means the management of God's household. So in this parable, Jesus is teaching his followers how to set up God's household or the neighborhood um, in regard to the workers. So at the end of the day, each worker, actually each worker, makes a living wage so his family can survive. In God's economy, the health of the whole community, the whole household is at stake. And the landowner's generosity is based in his understanding that work isn't always fair, but this isn't about goods for services. The laborers who worked for eight hours that day um, might be the ones who would only work for one hour the next day, but each of them needed to survive and feed their families. So in God's economy, compassion and care for one another, that is concern for the whole household, trumps fairness. You know, growing up, I, I saw my parents work hard, um, and I saw that hard work pay off. And, and hard work is a value that I, that I hold and that I teach to my kids. I'm sure you do with your kids. Um, but what I didn't think about much growing up, watching them work hard, is the reality that a lot of people work very hard and it doesn't pay off. Right. A lot of people work two or three jobs and get paid little for it and have little chance of improving their station in life. And a lot of people have to scrimp and borrow mm -hmm and do without mm -hmm. things, make bad choices, you know, tough choices yeah. just to survive. And, you know, something else I didn't think about a lot growing up is that it wasn't just hard work uh, that helped my parents to succeed or, or my own success in life. You know, first of all, being male um, and white, um, the truth is I have had doors opened for me I have had trust given mm. to me. Mm -hmm. I have had people invested in my success my whole life through in a way that just isn't the same mm -hmm. uh, for women, for mm -hmm. people of color. And I've also had the, you know, the good luck of a family that had financial resources mm -hmm. to support me uh, if I went through a tough time or if I wanted to go back to school, mm -hmm. if I uh, wanted to take a chance you know, on a mm -hmm. new job or a new endeavor. They were there for me. Yeah. And that support system has, um, 
given me and my family advantages that, that will pay huge dividends through right. my life. Right. Right? Um, just one really concrete example of this. Uh, when my wife, Laura, and I bought the house that we live in now, her dad sold the house that he had bought for her years ago that she paid rent to him for, and he used the profits from that investment to pay for our, a nice down payment on our house. Now, we'll pay him back over time for that. But what that means is that our mortgage is less than what a lot of people pay for an average right. apartment, right. right? And so there's not only that we get to live in a very nice house, we also have the savings that we would have had to pay that we get to invest now, watch grow, and someday we'll pass on that to, to my children. And, um, and that, you know, this is how it works, right? And it, and it works the same for everyone, mm. except that not everyone has mm. a father-in-law who can pay your down payment right. for you. Right. Um, and those of us who are lucky mm. enough to have been set up with these kinds of advantages, we need to be honest about this. Right. We don't have to feel guilty about it, but we have to feel honest. We have to be honest about it. We have to acknowledge that it isn't just our hard work, right. and we do work hard, but it's not just our hard work that has afforded the life that we have. Right. And we also have to acknowledge that, acknowledge the well-documented history in this country of discrimination um, that has barred some people yeah. in our country yeah. from getting loans, from, from moving into it, buying a home and being in a certain neighborhood, right. moving ahead in their job, all the things that build wealth and a safety net, right? right? That, that my parents had the benefit of and that they passed on to me and that I'll pass on to my kids. Mm -hmm. So when I read this parable, I wonder, because it's a complicated parable, but we've been talking about this and maybe mm -hmm. this is a way, that something, one way to think about this is to say, Woe to you who have worked hard and been fairly rewarded for it, yeah. for grumbling against those who have not been given the same chances but who want the same things. Right. You know? Right. Wow. Yeah. So in this extraordinary moment in history, as Ian said, um, we're experiencing the tilling up of the rocky soil of mm -hmm. this country mm -hmm. and being revealed under the surface of this soil are structures built into the system, into the fabric of our society that need changing. Structures and policies, as you say, that have been intentionally privileging some people, some groups over others, and are biased against some groups over, um, over others. This COVID pandemic has given us time um, an opportunity to see, to reflect upon, and to really look at ourselves. Um, and any excuses we've used up to this point uh, for not seeing the racial and economic um, injustices around us are no longer viable. There is global outrage that we're seeing every day, and we have to reckon with the pandemics of racism and economic disparity. And the good news is we get to make choices about the kind of society or the kind of household or the kind of uh, neighborhood in which we want to live. So the question we face is this. Will we choose 
to reset ourselves in a way in which each person might live with dignity and without fear. It will take hard, honest work on our part. But this is our time. And as the famous Rabbi Hillel said, if not now, when? And if not us, who? This nation and the world is looking for moral and courageous leadership. And Jesus consistently reached out to the margins to bring into the center those persons who were vulnerable and invisible. So with God's grace, we can establish new rules for an ethic based on care for the vulnerable. God calls us not only to love our neighbors, but to organize our households in a way that all inhabitants will benefit and flourish. Like the landowner taught in the parable, um, we are each essential to the whole. And it is on the basis of God's prodigious and extravagant generosity that we must set up our house. Amen. Amen.